Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is Hov. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. And welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. Now, some say that man is an artist. Others, a genius. There are even those who say he's a simple cowboy. But to you and me, he's our guest on the big show. It's J. Chris Campbell, yeah! Hey, howdy, partners and part- howdy. partner at out there. And the, okay, the- first question. <laughs> yeah, how, how was my Sam Elliott impression? <laughs> that was uh, really good. I was not expecting that at all, so I was surprised, and it definitely was better as you got into the the okay. light of it for sure. So yeah, that's really that's, good. That's so sweet of you to lie. Um, no. <laughs> How, how have you been, man? It's been like uh, it's been it's been a few months since you've been on the yeah, show. What you been, been up to? Like it's been like two seasons, right? So it's been a good long while. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, it's just yeah, you know, stuff's going on. Yeah, uh, still working and uh, arting and creating. Yep, I'm doing. I have been doing more graphic design and illustrating stuff for you know clients, and not a lot for myself, which is, you know, eh, it's okay, but yeah. it pays the bills <laughs> and keeps me busy. So exactly, it's kind of um, you know what? There's worse jobs to have. There is absolutely, <laughs> absolutely worse jobs to have. I've, um, I've there's been times where I've talked with people who are artistically inclined. And they've said something to me about, I'd rather, and I, I, to a degree, I understand the sentiment of like, I don't want to work for someone else. I just want to do my art the way I want to do my art. Yeah. And part of me really respects that. Right. At the same time, it's kind of like, okay, I hope you like working retail. Like. (laughs) I mean, I was talking to my wife about this the other day. I was like, you know what? I can't think of anyone that I personally know that I'm on like a, you know, first name hangout basis with that's an artist who completely supports themselves with the art that they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. It takes so much. It takes so much to get to that level. Yeah. It really does. It's a rare, a rare thing. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, this isn't, um, you know, this isn't news to anybody. I'm not, you know, I'm not breaking anything. (laughs) I'm not breaking any sort of news, but like we spoke with, uh, we spoke with the voice of the USS protostar, uh, Bonnie Gordon back at the holidays who still has a full-time job. Like, she's, oh, really? He's on star Trek. Trek. Yeah. And still has a full-time job. Like, 
voiceover artists, yeah. uh, visual artists, actors, yeah. podcasters. <laughs> I I had a full day. <laughs> I had a, to be honest, the, okay, little a little peek behind the curtain. We had we had some scheduling. Uh, we had to rearrange the schedule a little bit yeah. because we were actually supposed to record last night. Uh, today is the uh, March eighth. We were actually supposed to record on Monday the seventh, but uh, things changed. We had to reschedule. Not a big deal. Not the first time it's happened. No problems. And I thought, okay, well, um, I'll just, you know, go to work and it'll be a normal day. And I showed up at work and we had to go to court that day because we had a big trial starting. And I was like, okay, well, you know, it's, it's a government, you know, this is a government thing. It's, you know, we're starting a trial. This is in a courthouse. We're going to be done five o'clock. I'm going to be out of here by 515, 530 at the latest. Five o'clock rolls around. Five thirty rolls around. Oh, six o'clock rolls around. Six thirty rolls around. What? We didn't get out of the courthouse until twenty minutes to seven. You're kidding. I wish I was kidding. I was so tired. Oh my <laughs> goodness! It was the longest. It was the longest day because I was there. I was there at about. I was. Uh, well, that that was a. Uh, my boss was there at eight thirty in the morning. I didn't get there till probably closer to 11 uh, just because of preliminary type stuff going on. But yeah, I put in a full day of, of I didn't realize that. Yeah. Like court, I thought that was like a cut and dry kind of, this is when it's going to happen. This is when it's going to end kind of thing. Most of the time they will kind of like, Hey, it's five, five 15. Like, let's go ahead and cut it off. Cause it's not just like, it's not just like two lawyers and the judge. You've got right. You've got the judge. You've got yeah. the judge's assistant. You've got the stenographer. You got the person controlling the screens, and that's just yeah. people in charge. Not to mention two or three bailiffs, right? Two or three security. <laughs> the guards. entire building. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> for like one case go going on, there's at least a dozen people involved. If you don't have a jury, if you've got a jury, that's at least another twelve to fifteen people, and. In- two security guards to wrangle all those people. <laughs> it's interesting that you're talking about this stuff too, because it ties right into the beginning of the episode when we get to it, oh, yeah. how there wasn't really a jury or anything there. Yeah. Because for that, right. Yeah. And, you know, in talking about, you know, when you start reading through, you know, the laws and legal practices of just this country, which our legal system is still based on common law out of England there's still so much of it that kind of has this wild west feel to it of like, really, that's still a law. (laughs) I don't, I don't think there are buggies anymore. Like, (laughs) you know, things like that. And, and it's wild. It's absolutely wild. But before we get into today's episode, I wanted to bring something up that you mentioned before we started rolling last time you were on the show, I put forth a a very uh, heartfelt plea. uh, Right. To you to start to watch uh lower decks oh yes dude. did you do did you do your yeah, homework yeah. <laughs> i did my homework and i am so glad that you assigned it so oh, thank good. you very much for the recommendation i was honestly was not probably going to check it out but uh i did and i was not disappointed the callbacks to things in that show alone is worth w- sitting through Yes. Not just the humor, you know, the humor is written amazingly. Yes. Honestly, it's surprising just how well it's done. Yeah. Um, 
and whoever I, I mean it's crazy how much they wedge into it with the referencing you know the next generation stuff pretty heavily but like even in one of the episodes they're running through the museum with all this stuff around it and there's a giant uh star trek uh skeleton yeah hanging from somewhere in a blue shirt and i'm like what in the world is that like i can't figure out what this is <laughs> but in another episode they referenced a character who was from the star trek cartoon uh-huh. and i was like i bet you money that giant skeleton is from the star trek cartoon in might some be. way it just and might I, be. <laughs> my friend Dwayne, and he said there was a giant spock apparently in some something in the cartoon or something yeah that was like a i don't know what exactly but it's so funny because i always tell people uh and i think i may have even mentioned this to you when you were on last time that uh lower decks is very much the uh lego batman movie where it's a it is a Batman movie, but it's made clearly for Batman fans. Lower Decks is the same way. It is. I mean, it's very accessible to new viewers, but right. with all the I mean, you don't have to know that that's what that is when they're running. I mean, I didn't know. Right, right. But it didn't affect it other than me going, that has to be a callback. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. And you're absolutely right. When it comes to the writing, the writing is so concise. And I've I, I've spoken at length about this on other episodes with other folks. They cram so much development and plot into 22 minutes. It is yeah. impressive. It is really, really impressive. impressive. Um, and they have to be using the same like model that uh, Rick and Morty use. Like there's some sort of, you know, the writing circle. I think progression so. thing where yeah. they know exactly the beats and everything. They just have to shoehorn all the other stuff kind of into that. I would love to see sort of a television writing masterclass looking at the Rick and Morty structure versus or complemented with the Star Trek writing structure, because those two things you wouldn't think would jive, but lower decks showing you that it can be done and it works and it works well. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I've mentioned this a couple of times, there's a link to, and I'll, I'll put it in the notes again this week. Uh, there was an article uh, from Wired, uh, probably mid to late 90s, but it's still out there and it's a great read of how to write Star Trek and what turned into a writer from Wired going to the set. I think it was initially meant to be like a day on the set of Star Trek. Right. Yeah. It turned out to be like them spending most of their time with the executive producers and in the writing room. The oh, writer's cool. room going through the whole process and it's really fascinating in terms of creating this thing that we're so familiar with they put a paragraph at the beginning of that article it's just said hey just read the following pitch and you read it and as i'm reading it i get about half you know okay that's cool that's right too yeah that's cool i just keep reading and i go wait a minute that doesn't make sense no that wouldn't happen no 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 and (laughs) you know and at the very end the very next paragraph is it said if that paragraph didn't set off alarms from the first sentence, then you probably shouldn't write for Star Trek. I was like, oh, uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
that's pretty cool. Not they had to, like a test up front for you. <laughs> right. Not to mention like all the people who consult on Star Trek. It's not their first job. It's their retirement gig after they retired from NASA or <laughs> MIT. Like, you know, yeah. just it's their side gig. It's their side right. hustle after they yeah. retired. <laughs> but you know what? Um, getting back into this episode, you know, in terms of the franchise, uh, this is kind of the first really unique departure from the typical setting. I mean, we've seen things in different uh, settings, like I believe uh, we covered. Um, yeah. The, the, the old West. Yeah. The old West setting is, is sort of a staple for the franchise, but you know, we've seen in the episode carbon Creek, we saw a flashback to the 1960s, which was a lot of fun or 1950s. I forget, but um, you know, what is it that really draws you in about the old West setting? I think we touched on this a little bit last oh, time yeah. you were here. We were talking why the old West episode. <laughs> That's why, for sure, that I'm glad you had me back for this one because I am uh, a fan of the old West. Yes. Um, I don't, I'm not sure what it is about it that it's weird because even in the Star Trek, they do it. I'm trying to think of the original series episodes where they touch on the start on the old west i think there was one where they they show up at like the okay corral yes okay that's it thank you yeah, i, can't believe I, forget I the forgot name of that it. so um, yeah it, there's 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 of course all through the franchises there's one and even the weird wharf uh western stuff and uh, next generation this full of datas i believe <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah so in star trek itself the western is a big deal to have a western episode i think is is for them yeah. and for me just growing up and through the 70s and everything reruns of westerns my mom and dad are always like western people so like it was kind of there all the time as this mythological thing you know like not as a thing that actually happened like the old west right like, right it was like sci-fi and westerns, you know? And so, um, and recently my wife has been on a big Western kick and watching Paladin, uh, pretty Paladin. good. And Paladin, which is half gun. I'm sorry. Half gun will travel is the name of the show. Paladin okay. is the character on the show. Okay. Well, um, so she's been watching those and they're really amazingly written. Um, he's kind of like a lawyer uh, um, guy. He's a gun for hire and he goes into these places and basically is hired to, you know, either to kill somebody or to do something. And then he gets in there and figures out the problem and kind of mediates it to as much as he can. There's wow. some gun fights and stuff, but you know, of course, but anyway, um, Roddenberry uh, wrote a ton of Paladin episodes, a bunch of them. Nice. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like you got your Captain Kirky kind of person that you can kind of feel moving over into Star Trek too. So that's a neat little uh, Western tidbit uh, yeah. that connects to Star Trek too. And From of course, Star Trek being a Western voyage thing, like 
from the time period. Frontier. <laughs> right? they, they say it in the opening in the opening yeah. uh, the opening monologue. Yeah, the yeah. final frontier. So. Absolutely. They it, I think, you know, and unfortunately I didn't do enough research on this, but I believe back in the day uh westerns were actually cheaper to produce. Oh yeah. Because in terms of sets, yeah. Um costumes yeah <laughs> um most of the cast were also stunt performers yeah and you know horses and things like that you could get pretty much any kind of horse and it looked it's a horse like right yeah the, you know they were fairly they were fairly uh cheap to produce and you know if you get you know one decent actor in there who can kind of carry over into either a series or maybe a short series of films um, I think it ended up becoming very popular with Italian cinema, uh, which is where you get the term spaghetti Western. All right. Yeah, um, for sure. And again, uh, the you know, my, my co-host on uh, <laughs> cinema shock, Justin Bishop, the historian of all things cinema could he give, he talk go for hours to, about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. The Western, I mean, from watching TV, from when I was coming up there, the reruns were Westerns and family shows. So if yeah. you wanted some action, there was no science fiction, hardly, you know, it was, you know, you'd have lost in space that had a robot in it that you could watch some. Yep. And then <laughs> you'd have um, um, Twilight Zone, which yes. was weird stuff that was yeah. neat. But I mean, most of the other stuff, you got some sitcoms, but if you wanted action, then you'd have to watch a Western for sure. If you strayed over into PBS, <laughs> you might catch some Doctor Who. <laughs> That's right. I was somehow I got through it all without my mom kept saying, you should watch this Doctor Who thing. Look, is not this interesting? And I'm like, that guy's got broccoli in his in his coat. I don't know what's going. Why is his scarf so long? And like. If she just showed me the robots, then you know, if I had seen one Dalek, 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 what is it? Dalek, <laughs> Dalek. See, I'm a terrible Doctor Who fan. It's okay. Just, just remember, a little Dalek will do you. Yeah, a little. There you go. That's good. <laughs> a little Dalek will do me. Perfect. I don't even um, think I have a Dalek in my whole. That's a shame. That's terrible. I was gonna say. I know like, if I get started. That's too vast of a universe to get into. If we're it, talking about Star Trek. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've talked with a number, a, a number of folks uh, from the UK who are just and, and that's always been the discussion. It, you know, I always because I equate it in my mind of Star Trek being the American Doctor Who. Right. Both, they both started at roughly the same time. Um, adventures not too dissimilar from each other. Uh but yeah, and you know, looking at looking at those types of things, it's it's funny because I think it's actually easier. I think it's actually easier to get on board with Doctor Who than it is Star Trek because really? Doctor Who was short bursts. Like especially starting off, it was a lot of a series would maybe be five or six half hour episodes. Uh uh-uh, no but way. It was that, and then nothing for a year, and then they would what? do it again. It wasn't until more recently that they started doing the 12 to 14, 15 episode 
series you're arcs, kidding me and one story was one episode that 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 was it you know most of those most of those five and six episode arcs were one story what and, yeah yeah and you know with the, the wait a second the black and white ones are like that yeah yeah there's only like six episodes per season and i always assumed they were like us where it's like okay here's season one there's like 50 episodes from that time you know like yeah the older the old series in the u.s is those things oh are- yeah 20 to 25 <laughs> that's a season no problem yeah yeah well, oh, that's I mean, crazy. it's so funny that the way the the way the Brits did stuff versus the American way. And now with streaming, yeah, there seems to be sort of a blending of the two where yeah. when you look at and again, we'll go back to Star Trek here. You look at things like Picard or Discovery, and it's not 22 to 25 or 26 episodes. Now it's 12 or yeah. 13 or 14 like somewhere right around in there and it's tight and that story pushes forward like each there there's no there's, there's no, no fillers yeah there's no filler episodes there's no throwaways it's there's no clip show exactly there's no <laughs> hey hey we're stuck in an elevator remember that time remember that and time. roll the video package like <laughs> there's none of that yeah like, i think you know in terms of creating you know uh, you can, and you can probably speak to some of this is, you know, I think it's better to have 12 episodes that are super tight and really well refined than 20 to 25 episodes of something where, yeah, we really phoned it in on this one. Right. I mean, I, I'm know, curious I, to know though, cause, and it seems like it would be that way, but if you do have those extra kind of ones in there might allow for a little bit of, you know, play who's to say that that episode with Barkley in it from next generation may not have happened because they couldn't fill it. And they're like, we're everybody's no one can shoot and we need this guy. And how about let's use, you know, like, yeah, was that a plan for that? Or did he just slide in there and everybody had a fit and they're like, get him back, you know? Yeah. So it doesn't, it, I don't think it allows for happy accidents, but I can definitely see as a storytelling uh, thing goes, I think, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I think so too. And it's, it's fun to see now, you know, with the episodes being so tight and Star Trek was actually really good about this a long time ago, uh, probably more with the original series and maybe a little bit of next gen, but mostly with the original series accepting scripts on spec you know they got sent so much fan sub so many fan submissions that and of course they read them and if they ended up uh accepting the thing you got a check and your name was in the credits like if they wow. even if it was i mean it might not have been the full script full scripts but if they took them. stuff yeah but that's yeah, cool if they took ideas and stuff like that they they'd give you a credit shoot you a check for it and yeah now that's the flip side when you've got something that's 10 to 12 episodes and you've got these writers who you know the writers rooms it's not just a bunch of like oh i need a writing job it's like no these are accomplished writers these are like really good writers (laughs) yeah they were hired for this like specific they we didn't put an ad out and they walked in the door (laughs) that we went and found these guys exactly exactly 
but yeah, to get back to it, this is uh, this is a unique episode, and I really love I really love a solid cold open that just throws you. And when you sit down to watch Star Trek, and then you see them stringing this dude up, and he's got these weird ridges on his face, and boom, he's hung dead. Yep. Like, and then this, and then the music starts. <laughs> it's it's funny because it's like wow. I mean, because you think. I hope that wasn't anybody important. Or right. Like, You're like, what? what How is are going they? on? Right. <laughs> and um, to be honest, I think, I think this is the first time the remix of the music actually kind of fits the tone of the show. You know, I was, I was checking that out. What happened was I went to watch it. And some reason I watched the one before it, which is, I think, I guess you would have just done it. Twilight or whatever yes. is the name so I started watching that one going, wait a second. Is this, how does this go into the Western thing? Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, it has an opening like that where he wakes up and he's like, oh, what's going on? I'm the captain though. And he goes up to the bridge and all that happens. Yeah. Um, and then that's the song started. And that's the first time I heard the, like the remixed version of that. Like, I guess I just blocked it out because I would skip it or whatever. <laughs> And I was like, wait, it's, and I listened to the entire thing th- this one time. Yeah. And I was like, that's got to be, I'm going to have to ask if that's for sure different. So, yeah. Um, uh, unfortunately, the- I did not watch it within the context of the Western one because by the time I got there, I was like, okay, I've seen that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can skip it. I, I do kind of wish that they had, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to change and, and then we will get into the recap and, and the rest yeah, of it, I promise. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> but if you are going to change the theme within this iconic franchise, if you're going to change the theme halfway through, I think you ought to just lean into it and take those harder turns of like use different instruments so that it fits the episode so that it fits the specific episode i think it would have been really cool to see instead of an electric guitar go more acoustic and you know what for good measure trip trades for a horse with a harmonica throw some harmonica (laughs) in there why not do something like that they did that what show was i watching where they just did oh space force i I don't know i love space force so so much they were doing the um different like um themes songs for space force or whatever and yeah. they had a meeting and so like the next episodes start they have the the theme songs are in the beginning of the episodes i thought that was so perfect such an awesome amazing thing to do so yeah that would be cool to kind of theme them out but i guess that's a lot more work yeah i i love i love playing I love I love it when they sort of play on that fourth wall. They don't break the fourth wall, but they're like, "Hey, we know that this is part of the show you're watching." Yeah. And we're going to tailor this specifically to it. The I think one of the other really great gags um using the opening theme as part of a joke within the show was done by well was done a lot by the sitcom community. Oh they, yeah. They yeah. Did, they did that all the time. They changed the opening thing all the time especially yeah. for especially for holiday episodes uh the paintball episodes and then the final episode i think the final episode has like 20 different 
replays of the theme oh really yeah because i mean you know spoilers for community no that's fine that's okay (laughs) the final you're talking about the one that was on that was uh it was on just online right uh yeah i think at that point it had gone online but yeah they move they the final episode is all the characters of the show pitching the next season the next the season that didn't happen so when each of them starts their pitch, the theme song starts and then it goes into the pitch of whatever nice. it is that's in their head. And it's, nice. it's such a fun little gag. I really, really enjoy it. But yeah, um, let's, uh, you know, so let's really get into it. And uh, before we do, let's do this week's recap. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. UPN Wednesday. Journey to a parallel world where the Old West is still alive. They're human. How the hell did they get here? And advanced technology is no match for a lead bullet. Do you have any experience fighting these animals? Drop that, whatever it is! Star Trek Enterprise. While in the Delphic Expanse, Enterprise discovers a planet inhabited by 6,000 humans who are living in the fashion of the 1860s American frontier. Archer, Trip, and T'Pol beam down to the surface in period costume to investigate. They head into one of the numerous towns to observe the humans and aliens firsthand. While Trip and T'Pol acquire a horse, Archer stops Deputy Bennings from belittling a skag waiter in a saloon. After questioning Archer on his plans and intentions, Sheriff McCready tells Bennings to keep a close eye on Archer. Wishing to learn more about the Skagarans, Archer enters the house of a teacher named Bethany he had seen earlier. The two depart for Skagtown, the remnants of a 300-year-old wrecked spacecraft, but the deputy notices them leave. They arrive and meet Trip and T'Pol, who had arrived earlier. Trip and T'Pol travel back to Enterprise to investigate some data logs found in the wreckage, while Archer stays behind. Meanwhile, on Enterprise, Hoshi discovers that the humans overthrew their Skagaran masters after being brought to the planet. Bennings arrests and imprisons Bethany because... Because she was teaching the children, jeez. Archer helps her escape, but she's shot by Bennings. Archer orders an emergency beam up in front of Bennings and the other locals. Doc Flox treats her injury and discovers that that she's one quarter Skagarin. Meanwhile, back on the planet, Bennings hands in his deputy badge after McReady orders him not to take further action against the Skagarans. Archer returns in a space bus along with T'Pol and a security crew led by Reed, all wearing their modern uniforms. Landing in the center of town, he informs the sheriff that that he's from Earth and will return to help them once their mission is over. Bennings then shoots McReady. There was a In the chaos, Archer is also shot by Bennings, but finally overpowers him in a fistfight. Enterprise then departs, but not before returning Bethany to the surface and providing her with a pad to educate the local children about Earth's recent history. Great. Do you have anything to add? Cowboy. That's what I thought. 
So you mentioned uh, the slug fight. Let's just go ahead and jump right oh, to the end. For the slug fight. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. Let's just go ahead and jump right to the slug fight. Uh, <laughs> well, we're going to start because the first slug fight actually happened earlier. Yes. <laughs> when Archer was there at the, the Skag encampment thing. Yeah. Um, and so he gets punched uh-huh, uh-huh. one time and falls down on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> And looks up at the guy like, oh, wow, he's going to kill me or something like, yeah, I don't I don't I mean, I, I guess there's three of them there and he's kind of like, I better go along with this. I don't know what's going on, but I saw that going, OK, he could this is going to be a fun little fight here for at least a minute. <laughs> <laughs> right because archer could i mean he's done some slugging right well it, th- this is very i mean anybody who you know goes and looks up anything about scott bacula or if you've seen uh the documentary the captains by uh directed by william shatner shatner interviews bacula at bacula's horse farm <laughs> so it is clear to me that i th- i think in Bacula's uh, research of Star Trek, he came across maybe Fistful of Datas or when the original crew went to the OK Corral. He loves horses anyway. So I think he went into the writer's room at the beginning of season three of like, hey, we're going to have a Western episode this year, right? (laughs) Let's do that. We have to do that. Because of everybody there, including the locals, he looks the most comfortable oh yeah in the hat and the duster it's so weird like watching that episode it it took me like a couple of times i was like i'm watching quantum leap because that's what it felt like scott bacula was dressed as someone else walking around doing something you know yeah and and like he was having to pretend to be that person so he felt very yeah for sure comfortable in that environment doing that saddling up to the bar and and every all the lot honestly i don't know if it's because i was fine with it being a western i didn't see any like terrible cheese ball things it was like hey that's kind of it just all felt like it should have been that way except for when he got punched the one time (laughs) and falls down and then later later he gets shot And then goes and has a brawl fight with the same guy. Uh I wish that accounted how many times he got hit that time and got back up. They fought so much. They rolled under a horse. And that's the first time I've ever seen that. Yes. Have you ever seen they were fighting and rolled under a horse? And I was like, someone's going to (laughs) get I heard the same thing. I was like, what a dangerous place to be in. Cause you know, that horse got, has to weigh close to a thousand pounds. You don't do that. No, 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 no. That, that, that was actually him. Maybe that was his horse. That had to have been his horse. It might've been. That's yeah, how that's they probably. got that shot. I mean, honestly, I've seen not a ton, but I mean, I've never seen guys just fighting up under a horse like that. It was crazy. <laughs> Especially well, someone who's gotten shot and also, right. I mean, slug. And what was the deal earlier, man? 
Well, I, I mean, I think that's the fun part about, okay, these locals don't know, you know, the local bad guys don't know the whole, oh, hey, your shoe's untied, which is essentially <laughs> what Archer did. Uh, you know what? I almost made it out of town. I completely <laughs> forgot something. Bam. Like, <laughs> right. Dude. Like, yep. okay. That's probably the one time that's going to work. Now, the one thing I will say is I do feel like this was a little out of character because we know Archer as born in upstate New York, water polo player. Like he's not the cowboy guy. Trip is. And Trip, Southern boy, although it is funny, yeah. He can't ride the horse. He can't. I love the little yeah. sheepish the little... look on his face trying to get the horse to go. I was trying to figure out why Paul and Trip were each even in it other than to take those little things back up to the ship and get the history of the planet because they had the whole I mean, I guess that one somebody must have said they gotta not know how to ride horses. That's gonna be funny. Yes, yeah. that was cool to think of that. Yeah. But um does he play a harmonica normally? Is that his thing? Have you seen him playing? A, why did he have a harmonica? He had one. I don't. I don't know why. I don't think we've seen him play it before. That's really. You've odd. seen him with a harmonica. It's like I've I got know. a harmonica. I can. I don't have money or anything else valuable, but. Huh? I've got this harmonica. Got this I've got harmonica. this harmonica that clearly does not look like a period accurate harmonica. <laughs> it's some big like kid version of yeah. play a harmonica in three weeks. Oh, uh, harmonica. Funny. Yes. Oh my God. I thought, okay, I must not know enough about trip. He must watch those Westerns and plays a harmonica during the, the things, but. He Does is a fan it, of westerns. I forgot about that. Yeah, but yeah I yeah. mean, there had to have been a callback for the harmonica some other time. I think. I mean, it and be spoilers for the future. At one point, <laughs> I think when one point I think when Trip dies or they assume he's dead or something, I believe there's a shot of T'Pol like packing up his belongings, and I think one of the things is arm is a harmonica. <laughs> Which, which again is so There's weird no way because he also uh, has uh. he also has a frankenstein action figure like oh nice which is which is cool but again begs the question it's like where the hell did you get yeah where'd you get a from the, uh, get that a doesn't seem like figure. a thing that you definitely if you know if you've got a frankenstein action figure you know how to ride a horse yeah <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe oh. horses don't exist anymore or something. Maybe. Yeah. They're all, <laughs> any any horse in the distant future is synthetic and made out of poop, probably. Right. Recycled poop. <laughs> right. They're just in museums walking around. Oh, that's funny. Did but, uh, uh, the the uh, whole uh, concept behind the episode of it um, where they captured the 6,000 or did they say how many they originally captured? I think they said I, I know in the in the settlement when they get there, there's six thousand, but I assume that's because they've been breeding for like a couple right. hundred years. If you look at the ship that they were studying or the skags were like hanging out in, mm -hmm. it doesn't look big enough for a lot of people. Yeah. But it's weird to, you know, that anyway. To think that the original concept was 
they took these people away to go work for them on another planet and then they riot and uh you know take over the planet back from them so humans you know so you have it was kind of interesting that they did the um the prejudiced you know slavery thing in a different way but also that i know someone had watched some sort of ancient astronaut theory uh (laughs) about aliens coming to earth and mining for gold and making humans to work for them on earth and like all that kind of stuff It, it uh it felt like it branched out of that in some way I'm yeah. I'm guessing. Well, I was going to ask how how you felt about them speaking um, or basically treating the Skagarans in this old west setting like some of the minorities were treated. You know, at that time in Earth's history, you know, you had um, obviously African Americans. Um, uh, and gosh, if I was a better host, I would have done more research on this sort of thing. There's, um, there's like, in, but in, like the Asian Asian well, Americans, yeah, building the railroad. Much, they have Asian uh, bell co- bellhops in the show, which was from the early '60s, mm-hmm. and he actually refers to them as "Hey boy" and "Hey girl." Never mentions their name in the show at all it's like hey boy and he comes up and he's like can i help you do something you know and yeah it's weird but yeah so like having those minorities in there uh like that it it meant i mean it definitely fits in with the whole western thing even indians also native americans yeah native americans so it's like flipping the native american thing around and so it was weird to find out that the humans were originally the slaves of this and they were you know treating so i didn't know if there was a some sort of backwards kind of statement in there like one day these people you're taking advantage of are going to come back and treat you like this kind of thing or you know so i think i think it would have been i think it you know 20 years after the fact I think it would would have been interesting to see, you know, we talked about the structure of the away team being Archer, Tripp, and T'Pol. I think it would have been interesting to see Travis Mayweather or Hoshi. I mean, Hoshi, you know, they were speaking English and it didn't seem that she would, that the linguist would be needed. Right. Yeah. But I think it would have been interesting to see at least, I mean, and of course, Travis is my favorite character from, from Enterprise. So I always want to see him do stuff, but I think based on the types of interactions that Travis Mayweather had when he and Archer were taken captive in that, um, in that uh, detention uh, camp in the internment camp, um, uh, I believe detained. Yes. Detained was the episode Uh, season one, episode 21. Um, you know, I think it would have been really interesting for, uh, you know, for Travis to bring some of that stuff to light, you know, and, you know, yeah. make it, you know, develop his again, 20 years after the fact, but right. develop his character to, you know, yeah, Archer commands the ship, but Travis is steering the boat and let kind of his moral compass become that sh- sort of shining beacon yeah. on you know, because he was born and raised in space. So the whole idea of traveling through space is kind of old hat for him. But I feel like a lot of the rest of the crew 
may have forgotten where they've come from, especially at this point in the show when they're fighting the Zindi. Um, it would be nice to have someone say, you know what? Don't forget where we come from, you know, and, you know, by we, you know, we strive to we're striving to protect humanity at this point in this fight against the Zindi. But at the same time, we don't want it to cost us our humanity. And we've seen Archer. We've seen Archer put somebody in an airlock and hit depressurized. Like <laughs> at this point, right. he, he's becoming very, very desperate and he's doing things that are we'll say less than uh less than captain Captain-y. worthy yeah very very <laughs> not very captainy yeah <laughs> but i think it i think this was maybe a missed opportunity to have i agree i thought so in too, and say, hey don't when forget they, <laughs> when they came back down with the shuttle and they were coming out and they had their uh, their security out by the way the fatigue looking do they normally wear do they're like uh, shock trooper guys have outfits like that well here when did that happen so at the end of season two is when earth gets attacked uh, by the zindi for the first time and that's where like this zindi probe shows up at earth and basically carves a new grand canyon in earth and basically kills millions of people right Um, so that starts this chain of events where um enterprise of course leading the charge is hunting down this species known as the zindi and part of what they do is of course once earth is attacked enterprise is recalled back to earth um and long story short they you know they do a refit on the enterprise upgrade the armor uh upgrade or upgrade the shields upgrade upgrade the weapons but they also upgrade the crew they upgrade the crew by adding what they call the Makos. I believe it's military okay. military assault command operatives or something something like that. But the acronym is Makos, and they're basically soldiers because. And it it didn't dawn on me like as as we've been watching the franchise up until this point, you know, with the um, the original series TNG, DS9, Voyager, they've all had security security officers there's always been like a chief of security and yeah malcolm on the ship is the quote-unquote chief of security but he's not really the chief of security he's the tactical officer so he's in charge of he's in charge of like the weapons and the phasers and the and the uh torpedoes and things like that but he's kind of he's got like a a crew of like three or four dudes and they are they are weapons experts they are not tactical 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 fighting guys right right so that's Uh, that's where the makos come in okay yeah Yeah, i was looking at him going okay where did the this is definitely something i'm not up on i've i should be watching i want to go back now that i'm seeing you know listening to this stuff and watching it you you do end up getting into a couple of you know a couple of the makos make you know, kind of step forward and actually have speaking lines. You know, they're, they're, they're not just red shirts, but you know, right. <laughs> at the same time, like my explanation was very, a very long winded way of basically saying, yeah, we have red shirts now. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but essentially they are, they are the, they are the soldier element. They are the security tactical teams. Um, well, they know. should uh, inform them that they can't shoot uh, any better than <laughs> the main guys. Because man, yeah. honestly, I was was sitting through a lot of it going, 
are they going to, these guys going to hit anybody? And then I think somebody said something because they're like towards the end of the battle, they get their shots in and, you know, so everybody gets a shot in there. Well, Even to Paul gets shot, which was like, not only is she shafted in this episode with absolutely nothing, but getting up on a horse, like, yeah. And finding some communication, she gets shot. I mean, yeah, shot and <laughs> shot by Reed, <laughs> who just kind of shrugs it off as like, yeah, uh, like, yeah, I did it. Like that was, <laughs> that was, you know, oh, oh man. But yeah, I think, uh, I, you know, I mean, and I'm not a, you know, tactical <laughs> guy, but like, look, you're flying this big, you're flying this big space, you know, this space shuttle, this, you know, this, uh, you know, shuttle pod down and everybody's looking up why did you not beam like three or four makos on like the outskirts of town and have them infiltrate oh yeah right you know they're gonna you you know you know (laughs) that's gonna gonna happen yeah you know they're gonna open fire you know they're gonna open fire on you so put your makos outside (laughs) of town and say okay move in like yeah i mean these are people who have open these people have been abducted their their history is their families were abducted from aliens from outer space and here comes a ship you're i'm surprised everybody didn't come out with guns a blazing instead of like the the munchkins from wizard of oz like (laughs) sneaking out of their houses to see what uh, has happened here you know it's like come out come out Wherever you are, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, that's what it was like. Okay, they should be bracing for action or something, but yeah, anyway, it's just you know, look, if you're gonna send your tactical guys in, maybe <laughs> come up with some tactics first. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. speaking of the tactical shooting, too. Um, I was watching the the episode and my son was in doing something and he heard the name of the, the shit main sheriff is like, uh, McCree. McCree. Yeah. McCree. And he was like, Hey, is that McCree from overwatch? So there's a, a character from a video game called McCree. Um, who's a, who's a Western guy. Oh, like funny. his thing is he's got like all like he does six shooters and guns yeah. and stuff too and he's got the same thing which they recently changed his name because of uh it was named after one of the creators of the game anyway it was just interesting that there was a little uh he, he was like wait a second I want to see what you're watching because it has to do with the video game. Any, he's a Star Trek fan. He would have watched it too. Oh, I should have awesome. got him. I yeah. should have got him too. But and hey, it was a western. The show's for old and new, man. That's right. Bringing those for new sure. fans. Yeah. <laughs> well, as we do every week, we always lovingly ask the question: Who do we blame? Uh, this episode was written by Mr. David A. Goodman, whose last episode writing was season two, episode nineteen. That was Judgment. And this episode was directed by David Strayton, whose last episode directing was season three, episode seven, The Shipment. Uh, so we've got a couple few, uh, we've got a few guest stars here this week of some note. Miss Emily Burgle as Bethany. Uh, her first credit was The Rage, Carrie 2 in 1999. Nice. Followed, yeah, she followed up with four episodes of Gilmore Girls as Francie Jarvis uh, for 
all you Gilmore Girl fans. I wouldn't uh, have to. I watched I watched all the Gilmore Girls with my wife, so I should have recognized her. I stopped at where did I stop watching Gilmore? We, I, st- I think I, I stopped after Rory had sex for the first time. Did you? I stopped. I was just <laughs> did like, you start I, at the right, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. And just yeah, I, I started got there and, I was like, and then right, went now. back and got some, and so it was kind of. I didn't <laughs> frequent guest frequent guest of the show Gary Horn uh, from the National Wrestling Alliance the NWA is a huge Gilmore Girls fan he of loves course. them so of much so, so I put that in there specifically for him um, but yeah that led uh, Miss Burgle up to this her only franchise appearance so far. Uh, after that, she's done 36 episodes of Men in Trees, 14 episodes of Desperate Housewives, 16 episodes of Southland, 21 episodes of Shameless. Wow. And currently, as of today, uh, she has done five episodes of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel as Tessie on Amazon Prime. That's such a great All show. Right. It's not realistic. And it is not factually based, <laughs> but it is a fun show to watch. Speaking yeah. of Gilmore Girls, it was done by Amy Sherman Palladino, uh, same, same writer, showrunner. Yeah. And then uh, we've got Glenn Morshower as Sheriff McGreedy. His first credit was something I was not familiar with, but I think I may need to look it up. It's called Drive In from 1976. Basically, it's kind of like Empire Records and um breakfast club so empire records a day in a record store in the 1990s uh breakfast club five kids in detention in the (laughs) 1980s drive-in is (laughs) one night at a drive-in in the 1970s so i want to see that it it looks like fun it looks like a really fun movie uh after that he did two episodes of dukes of hazard 1980 (laughs) and 1983 and then his talking about dudes had her the other day and never realized the name of that show is actually pretty awesome oh yeah if you just i don't know why because it was always the dukes of hazard like the duke because i was a kid and it was like these are the dukes and this is hazard county yeah but it's the dukes of hazard yeah yeah this (laughs) <laughs> the dukes and of course they were always getting into trouble right and you know they were jumping their car over anything that was yeah. still so which was a gigantic hazard right uh, so yeah the dukes of hazard county absolutely the dukes of hazard yeah it's it's such a fun show and of course you know now looking at it, it's a little problematic but yeah what is yeah. it? Yeah, what isn't nowadays? But yeah, yeah, the Dukes of Hazard. Uh, and he did a couple of those episodes, 1980 and 1983. And then that eventually led to his first appearance in the franchise, which was on Star Trek The Next Generation, season two, episode 21. This is 1989, the episode Peak Performance, where he played Ensign Burke. So you can hmm. see him in that. And then Mr. James Parks, who I absolutely love to hate in this in this episode yeah. he's so just oh uh, you just yeah. want to reach through your screen and strangle him yourself he's so <laughs> such a good bad guy uh he is he Very james parks guy. plays deputy bennings uh if uh the name parks rings a bell that's because he is the son of michael parks michael quick draw mcgraw parks from 
the Kill Bill movies when Sheriff McGraw drives up to the to the crime scene with the dead bride and the dead bridal parties. Um, he gets uh, Michael Parks gets out of the car and addresses. Give me the gore details, son number one. Son number one <laughs> is his actual son, James Parks. Um, but nice. it's, yeah, it's a fun little bit of trivia that I told my wife earlier tonight, and she did not care. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> how geeky that you're she finding only, that fascinating, dear. <laughs> she only likes in, in terms of Quentin Tarantino movies, I think she only likes Inglorious Bastards. That's that's the only one. <laughs> She really, you know, like he's a, he's one of those guys that's like, you know, either can get on board with it or not. And, exactly. But yeah. uh, early in James Park's career, uh, he had uh, an episode of Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. That was in 1992. And he was in uh, season one, episode 10 of Space Above and Beyond the episode Stay with the Dead. That was in 1995. He played a character named Shankowitz. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that guy was terrible. Yeah. Hated him. And then he was on, uh, he did an episode of Babylon 5. It was season three, episode 10, Severed Dreams as Draken. That was in 1996. And that led that guy. Uh, to his first appearance in the franchise, which, on, which was on Star Trek Voyager, season three, episode three, The Shoot uh, from 1996. He played a character named Vel. So, well, uh, do we have... You know, before we get into our final thoughts, let me ask you this question, because unfortunately, I think I have an answer. I think we might be on the same page here. Is this episode North Star? Is this essential viewing? Does someone have to watch this episode or will they be missing out on a huge chunk of Star Trek lore mythology? Coming into this question, I would say, no, you don't need to see this at all. For okay. sure. All right. But All the right. more I kind of like think about it, especially when they drop the like he actually talks about the fight currently. And so they're talking about helping humans get back to Earth and how mm-hmm. they want to get back to Earth. And basically, in this instance, came up with a plan to not help them until everything's cool. Right. with everything that's going on which uh, in the grand scheme like you said you'd have to see going forward backwards what happens but does that mean like can, does he take is this mentioned again like does he leave other humans and other places and doesn't rescue them right. this seems like the first time that he would make that call right he's yeah. making it he never even said well let's contact starfleet and say hey they're here or anything he's like just went ahead and said we can't bring you um yeah we can't we, put six thousand people yeah. on the ship <laughs> we can't send anybody to come get you it's going to be a long time like he didn't even we're going to send a message in a bottle to starfleet and hopefully they'll come get you gave them zero hope right right and it so, you know, in thinking about it a little bit more, there was still some Skagaran technology. Like if they made it into the Delphic expanse, you might want to collect some of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, 
if not if not to gain some you know some of the tech at least for its historical significance you can kind yeah, of they didn't even look in the sea word maybe they, they did what they, the heck is this vehicle like there's got to be other right they pulled correct they pulled a data module out of it but all they really got was like the history of like you could talk to the school teacher and find that out like don't do they have better weapons yeah. do they have better shields did they have a better transporter yeah. like anything i don't know again you're right it's this, there's not you don't have 20 to years it. after the fact right yeah I, I don't think you have to i don't think you're missing any integral part unless again I don't know if there's any other kind of rescuing people from other planets. Um, I would have to believe that they would say uh, they would probably do it in any of the other episodes. They would figure out something. I think it's, I think it would make a fun entry on sort of a Star Trek Western watch list. (laughs) There you go. That would be fun. Yes. Um, is- I'm gonna I'm gonna make that list. I'm gonna make the Star <laughs> Trek Western watch list. I'm putting it on my putting it on my to-do list. Okay, we're gonna have that for you. I'll listen, have it. Okay, here's 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 your homework, artist. <laughs> Do one of those old timey western photos, but with like the entire cast. <laughs> Just go ahead and put them all in period costumes. Yep. And do like the sepia tone <laughs> on it. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> the glamour shot uh, mall photo or whatever. Exactly. Oh, man. But yeah, if we're I, talking about Accenture watches, though, I want to mention because I forgot we're talking about Westerns. Briscoe County Jr. Have you ever seen that? Yes. That yes! show is amazing Such and does the, a fantastic job of taking like Western and sci-fi and just weirdness and everything together. Oh yeah. Bruce Campbell's in it as Briscoe. And it is just phenomenal. Yes. Uh, underrated TV show of, of any Western TV shows. I, you know, um, it's been interesting that where we've covered so far in the franchise, there's been more than more than a few instances of uh, guest stars on the episode who have also been on Briscoe County Jr. And I always. Oh, really? Up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, quite a few. Quite a few, actually. <laughs> so you've told people to watch it for sure. Then. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, yeah a, it's definitely find that thing. It wasn't on anything forever. I don't know that it's anyway. This is out there somewhere. at this point. A decent Google search, you will yeah. find all of it. It's and again, it's for those of you who don't know Bruce Campbell. Uh, he is he's kind of the nerd. He's the nerds. He is the nerds a list celebrity. Like in terms of horror movies, in terms of genre, film, and television. A lot of television. Yeah. Um. He he's it. He's the guy. Uh, his, his book, his first book, if chins could kill is a fantastic read. It's is it really, really, it's really good. And oh, then absolutely. I, I, it's rare that I have an audible response to a book, but his second, <laughs> his second book. And I don't say this, you know, there's, this is not, um, hyperbole at all. It's his second book is laugh out loud. Funny. It's Really? It's really good. And I highly, highly recommend seeking it out, taking it. If you're interested in, obviously, if you're listening to this show, there's a good chance you're into genre film and genre television. Um, 
the first real big film that they made evil dead with Sam Raimi, who did yep. the first, uh, you know, the first Spider-Man trilogy and dark man and all that stuff. That production is such a fascinating story in terms of film genre, film history. It's really kind of, it's a very DIY approach. They were like, yeah. how are we going to do this? Well, let's, yeah. let's strap the camera to this board and let's just move it through these weeds. Like that's what they did. Yeah. Run it backwards or let's yeah. run it back and play the film backwards or hell, you know what? Just let's just strap Bruce upside down and make the waterfall. Up, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 All that stuff. It was, so, it's such a fun, it's such a fun look into the DIY of like the late seventies, early eighties time in uh, film production history that it's I I, I bought the Evil Dead compen- compendium. Aren't they aren't they doing I mean, the Evil? Uh, <laughs> pardon my wife and dog running around in the back like bat, bat <laughs> crazy people. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's such a it's such a fun slice of you know film production history. Anybody, yeah. if there's any younger listeners out there who think, oh, I kind of want to get into film and television production. I highly recommend seeking out Bruce Campbell, uh, Sam Raimi, Rob Tabbert, those guys, yeah. and the stuff that they did in their late teens, early twenties, which kickstarted their career. It's right. really, it's really fantastic stuff. Sorry, that's the end of my soapbox. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm I'm glad you did it. It needs to be said as much as you can. So I'm uh, for sure Bruce Campbell is awesome, and oh. Briscoe County Jr. And yes. anyway. So. Yeah, those are just wonderful so little slices that yeah. in there. I had to, I forgot about it and thought of it in the middle of everything, and it was like, okay, this nice. fits so perfectly. Nice. Well, folks, next week you now know him as the first Romulan cadet at Starfleet Academy. That's right, folks. We will be joined by Mr. Evan Ivagora from Star Trek Picard to Woo-hoo. discuss Enterprise Season 3, Episode 10, Similitude, directed by LeVar Burton, which, of course, nice. is available exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. I'm super excited. Uh, he's a super nice guy. He and I have had numerous conversations via uh, social media. And I'm super excited to talk with Congrats, him. Congrats, man. Thank that you. sounds like I, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. It's to have a Picard cast member talk about an enterprise episode yeah. directed <laughs> by a TNG cast member is uh, my brain You're getting is everywhere. You're going yeah. all over. <laughs> well, man, uh, Chris, t- tell everybody where they can find you and your artwork and support you online. You can go to jchriscampbell.com and pretty much get to my uh i'm not on facebook as much as i what used to be i'm on instagram as Nidobot. anywhere you go if you look for Nidobot, you're gonna find me doing something somewhere so j chris campbell and Nidobot will get you uh something something that i've done or, or am currently doing and I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials. From all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you in 10 4.
support us on Patreon and like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop. And our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn. And the voice of Computer Resume podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods. And we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?